talking today with the City of Quincy Substance Use Prevention Coordinator, Laura Martin, to uh, get some information about the 12th Annual Candlelight Vigil that will be held on Wednesday, August 31st at 7 p.m. at the Hancock Adams Common right in front of Quincy City Hall. Laura, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Jeff? Great. Thanks for spending some time to chat with us. It's been a little while since we had an update um, from you. So before we talk about the vigil, maybe we should just let folks know that uh, the city actually has uh, a substance use prevention coordinator and what that position entails. Uh, sure. Um, yes, yeah, so I've been around for a bit. Um, it's substance use prevention services, substance use disorder, services and prevention coordinator and that's important um, I think for people to know because we it's not just about preventing substance use which is of course part of it but probably the biggest and most um, you know the part that I spend most time in is helping people in active addiction in recovery or family members or loved ones who have someone in their family struggling um, access services, explain, you know, whether it's treatment uh, from an acute level to a detox program, to a residential, to a sober house, or perhaps it's outpatient, and then um, helping folks just kind of navigate the system because there's so many different options out there. Um, and kind of connecting them with numbers and contacts of those programs. Um, so that is probably the biggest part of what I do. Um, and collaborating with all of our nonprofits because I'm not um, I'm not a clinician, you know. So I don't tell. I do believe addiction is a disease, um, and that people should have proper diagnosis and proper suggestions from someone that does an individual assessment of them. Um, but I work with a lot of our nonprofits that have clinicians and a lot of our partners throughout the city that are nonprofit and for-profit that have treatment facilities, but more importantly, um, you know, the recovery center, base-state community service, managed health. And, and we're so fortunate in this city that the mayor, you know, has really opened his arms to all of these facilities um, being here because I always have somewhere where I can send someone where they can get information. And if they can't get the help they need, um, we can work as hard as we can and usually figure something out to get it for them somewhere else. I think it's really, really hard when you or a loved one is struggling and it feels like you only have a 1-800 number to call. Um, so I try to be kind of present in the recovery community um, and in the community at large just so people know there is somewhere to go, um, you know, and, it, and it's, it's anonymous and it respects their individuality, their privacy, and their loved one's privacy. So I'm fortunate to have all these access to all these wonderful partners, um, you know, and to work collaboratively with them on the treatment side, but also to work collaboratively with the folks, you know, fire and the police, um, you know, to keep really, really keep everybody aware of the trends that are going on right now um, and just try to keep people as safe as possible because, you know, if we could, you know, decide 
or use our will to get someone better, we would. But unfortunately, with this disease, you know, it kind of defies um, reason, you know, um, and people are so physically and mentally addicted um, to substances that they can have a life-altering injury or an overdose, and, and that's just not enough. And, and we have to stick by and support those folks if and when they're ready. Um, so for that, it's, you know, making people really aware that, like, drugs out there, they're pressed, um, fentanyl is rampant, methamphetamine is rampant. It's, it's a different type of substance. You never know what you're going to get. Um, you know, people that may only think they're safe because they only use pills or only do, um, you know, cocaine or other stimulants, um, they're passing away because the drug dealers are, um, you know, they're, they're wise and they know that fentanyl is something that, you know, that high that it gives you is something people will desire. So they're mixing it. Um, so, yeah, that was a long explanation. I think I looked at my phone about five minutes of what's going on. Um, but I think it's really important because, like, that prevention is, like, very important. It's, it's good, but it's also the, um, you know, the thing everyone likes to hear, okay, we're preventing it. And, like, if I had a magic wand that could prevent it, I sure would, but I'm pretty sure there isn't one, you know? So we have to work with the messiness of the illness as it comes. Um, and I'm fortunate in the city and with the mayor and all my partners that we collaborate, we're really flexible. Um, so yeah, that's it. <laughs> There's my job description if I have a the right one. Well, I, 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 you know, there are new people coming into the city all the time, um, so I thought it was important just to, to get the uh, information out that uh, there is someone uh, uh, there to help if they are struggling or if they know somebody uh, who is, yeah. you know. And there's, you know, my email is lmartin at quincymma.gov, but you can also, you know, call City Hall and leave your number and I'll call back. Um, you can shoot me an email. Um, people can come into City Hall and ask. But, um, you know, I think a lot of times one of the other main points I want to make is, you know, it's a disease that carries stigma, whether it should or shouldn't. I believe it shouldn't. I don't believe it's a choice um, that you develop, you know, your addiction. Um, voices come afterwards throughout the throes of it. But um, I think there is still stigma as much as we work hard to erase it. And... People's privacy and anonymity are such central principles that I hold really, really dear. So, you know, people can know that. They can come. They can get help. Um, you know, as long as someone is suicidal or homicidal, I mean, no one needs to know. So, Laura, how has the, uh, the pandemic impacted the whole issue of, of substance use? Oh, gosh. And I hate to use such a simple term. It's a mess. Um, you had people not, um, you know, not seeking treatment, emergency rooms closed, um, just homelessness, job loss. I mean, it's a disease of isolation. So a lot of people went back, a lot of people that were casually drinking, you know, that were alcoholics, but 
had jobs, um, you know, turned into daily, all-day drinkers. Um, alcohol sales were huge. The drug supplies. You have to remember the police weren't allowed, you know, where courts were closed and they and arrest people um, and, you know, pill presses. I mean, Joe, Joe honestly, just a mess. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not unique to Quincy. I mean, it, we were in a pandemic and, and everyone calls it the opiate epidemic. I don't like um, the numbers. I, I feel like it's a pandemic um, mm. level, you know, but people did their best um, and we've never dealt with a pandemic before, but people with substance use disorder are, you know, oftentimes in lower socioeconomic, lower situations, um, and they're struggling. And there was like a real lack of care and connection for them. Um, but more importantly, the drug supply, um, fentanyl and methamphetamine really, really creeped in. Um, and those are to, you know, fentanyl, overdoses are skyrocketing. Someone that's active in their substance use may, you know, multiple, multiple overdoses a day. Um, Fortunately, Narcan is available um, and people have it, Um, you know, but death. um, And like I said, the drug supply is so, so tainted. Um, You just never know what you're getting. And fentanyl, you know, I can't even, I don't even know the the number to use for how many times more potent it is than heroin. Mm-hmm. Um, but you basically can't find heroin anymore. It's fentanyl. Um, but yeah, people are going into respiratory stress and, um, you know, they're passing away. Um, yeah, so hopefully I'm always, I share the truth because those are the facts and I think it's important to say that while also recognizing that, you know, the people working in the field were boots on the ground, probably, you know, worse harder than ever, um, but experienced a lot of pain and trauma and loss, you know, so for me, I think it's super important too to recognize we need to take care of our caretakers. Um, you know, that tragedy that folks saw for COVID, the workers doing street outreach and dealing with substance use and clients passing away left and right, uh, friends with long-term sobriety relapsing. It takes a real, real toll on you mentally and emotionally. So. One of the... Um one of the issues that uh, came to light, uh, specifically with the, the issue of mass and casts in, in Boston, was the lack of affordable housing uh, for these folks that, that led them down the path to substance use. Do you think that's one of the areas that needs to be addressed? Well, sure, because everyone, I believe that everyone deserves, you know, housing, dignity, safe place, but lack of housing didn't lead people to mass and casts. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the disease did, um, in my opinion. Um, I don't, uh, you know, the fact that we have some place we call mass and cast and is just kind of, I think, a, a pretty sad thing that we have, mm-hmm. you know, um, a shortened thing to talk about, you know, where people are really, really sick and suffering. Um, and I think that, you know, quite frankly, like, it's just a demonstration of how bad 
this epidemic is. And, you know, people obviously want to use together and be amongst themselves because it saves their lives. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to, you know, of course, housing, uh, counseling, treatment, you know, all these things. But I, I do not believe it. Someone doesn't have housing, so they become a heroin addict or they're on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we it has to be a multifaceted, long-term approach. But plenty, I think the affordability there, more importantly, the lack of affordability mm-hmm. of housing, even to friends of mine in, you know, solid sobriety struggle with that. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely an issue overall, but I would never say any. You know, the thing is, this disease defies reason. You know, um, parents lose their children. That's not enough. You know, injuries, medical, everything. We, we face, uh, like, not having housing is not going to be an impetus. Impetus? What would that be? Oh, God, that's a hard word I just tried to come out with. I'm not even sure if it was real, but... Um, <laughs> It is not going to send someone to math and death. You don't just, you know, go there because of something. You end up there and you end up in those situations that you never thought possible because this disease is so, so strong. Yeah. You know what I mean? So housing is definitely an issue. Affordable, you know, access to health care, access to mass health beds. You know, we have a lot of treatment facilities. But um, not all of them take, you know, the state safety net insurance, which most people in the throes of their addiction at some point, like not everyone has Blue Cross Blue Shield PPO, um, mm. you know what I mean? So there's a lot of different things um, that lead there, but it's just, it's a representation of the fact that we're, like I said, in a drug, drug pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and just manifested that that is a place that people are congregating it's around you know treatment resources and it is what it is but um much better that people are there together than in the woods by themselves um because then there is nobody um that can save them if they overdose so how important is it also to support i mean uh, you know uh, Addiction affects everybody, not just the addicts, uh, to support their families, their 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 colleagues, their friends uh, who are impacted as well. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, it impacts everybody and in, like, seriously, seriously deep ways. And we live in a society that I think we're doing a good job decreasing the stigma and we have. You know, my brother passed away god he's been gone 18 years um of an overdose and my family was open about it and i'm not saying this to brag Mm -hmm. but we were open about it because we were worried about stigma and you know he didn't look like what people air quote would say Mm -hmm. a heroin addict looks like but this disease does not discriminate based on your iq your pocketbook your skin color your home um it's a disease um and to me that really kind of shows us 18 years later, we still face that stigma. Um, so it's more important than ever to support the families, but to also recognize, Joe, that like 
just because I'm open, that's an individual choice. Like, I think it's really, really important for people to respect. I always start every conversation with a family member, a loved one, anybody. You know, Jim the barber. If someone Mm -hmm. comes to me, I don't care what the relationship they have with the person experienced substance use is. Um, I say, you know, my name's Laura. And then I very quickly, the next sentence is, I want you to know as long as what you tell me isn't, you know, suicidal or homicidal. Um, I'm not a clinician. However, um, anything you say stays between you and me. Mm -hmm. Uh, No one's ever, and that's not just about the individual, but I say no one's ever going to know that you and I had a conversation because that's why people keep coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I also let people know that they're not, I'm not doing them a favor. This is my job. There's a reason that I'm in this position. And there's not a check system. It's not three uh, visits with Laura and, okay, then my services are done. Like, I keep in touch with families long into their loved one's substance use, unfortunately, sometimes after they've passed, and I support them around that. Mm -hmm. Um, And when they succeed. You know, people Mm -hmm. let me know. But no, yes, family, loved ones, everyone, uh, we need to provide support. I believe very much in, you know, this being a disease and also to stay in my lane. I have experience as a family member. Um, I have personal experience. I have uh, professional experience. But I'm not a doctor and I'm not a counselor. Um, and grief and, you know, trauma and all those things, I'm never going to try to take that role. What I can do is listen, and, and if I can offer some words of encouragement, um, if I can offer resources, you know, I'll give everyone anything I have access to. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also super important that, this disease is a disease, um, and it not only deserves for the individual suffering, but for their family professional support. Um, and I think that's really, really important um, that we kind of hammer that home. You know, just like any other illness, um, definitely impacts the entire family. And this illness, for better or worse, um, carries shame with it, mm-hmm. you know, so someone struggling they're struggling in silence a lot with their loved ones their friends their own illness and um that's really important i think that we treat it like a disease you know and and i hope i'm not trying to offend anyone by the comparison but any other you know people do have a hard time with that i consider a disease just like any other disease um and people have a hard time um hearing, you know, when I say like, okay, I'm not going to have, you know, almost like a fair for resources for treatment centers because like if someone had um, any disease, I don't want to say one disease or not, Mm -hmm. people do get very upset. They would go to a specialist for pre-op, post-op, they go to a surgeon, they'd have all these people, right? The family would have support if they pass the family would have support specialties and that's the way this disease should be treated in my belief because 
I think a lot of people have wonderful intentions, but we forget, like, it's such a desperate situation. We want to do everything. Um, and we forget that we're not equipped to do everything. You know, I can't tell a loved one, oh, tough love, you're enabling. I'm not in a situation. Mm-hmm. I have to respect everyone's boundaries um, and just give them the best I can, you know, for my knowledge and resources, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But I think, should, you know, especially children are so impacted by this. And on top of it, these kids have just gone through a pandemic that has upturned their entire existence, you know. Um, and kids that are in homes impacted by substance use and families where kids are homeschooled and they're at home and their parents, you know, they had the reprieve of school and the structure. That's a huge population that uh, in the collaborations that I work on, the community group, we're really trying to look at is like, it was, it's an excruciating process to have a parent um, in active addiction or to lose a parent um, to addiction and then to talk about it because of the stigma. But these poor kids were trapped in that cycle. Um, and that's huge, huge trauma. Um, so I think we have to look at that. You know, the pandemic is, I mean, the CDC said no more masks, but the impact of the pandemic and the trauma that happened just because on the outside it might look like we're not living in the pandemic as much, all of that damage on the inside, we still need to focus on that. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I kind of like hammer home anytime I talk to anyone and they're talking about kids. I'm like, I mean as substance use for prevention, you know, to prevent them from going down that path. If we think we can do that, we need to deal with what happened, you know? So huge part of prevention is helping all of these kids, all of these families deal with what occurred. And then on top of it, getting them or their loved one treatment. Two things I think, you know, you, you talk about that are important. Um, number one, there is help available. There is treatment available. And number two, success is possible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tell me 100%. about... 100%. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I think mean, it's... We don't have numbers. Um, it's a daily reprieve for people in addiction, you know. Um, but, yeah, treatments everywhere um you know in massachusetts a ton of treatment facilities have opened i um you know most of the individuals i deal with they're not going to those treatment facilities because they have you know public insurance Mm -hmm. um but at the end of the day you know the recovery network and community is strong and so i have a lot of friends that work in the private sector that will help folks but I don't talk about that because that's not a public service. And, and more importantly, like, um, you don't want to be making false promises to folks, right. you know. Uh, the treatment that we have, you know, the Gavin Foundation, and I guess I'm a little biased because I'm a board member, but also I've seen the success, and I'm really proud to be a part of that. I mean, we just opened a woman's house, so there's now a woman's residential program. 
that long-term treatment, which I believe, in my opinion, it gives you the greatest amount of success, mm -hmm. but not everyone can do it. Um, and there's so many others. Um, you know, that's just one that I know because I'm, you know, involved in it because we have the detox and Quincy. Mm -hmm. It's kind of this wonderful thing that there is a continuum of care within one system. And just because you go to one of their facilities doesn't mean you're going to their aftercare. But, you know, folks really, really have the best shot the more treatment they get. Um, so going from a detox to a CSS to a PSS to a residential to supported sober living. And then, you know, throughout all of that, you know, the treatment is also the community um, that you develop throughout all those stages, mm -hmm. and and then that establishes your program, your daily program. Uh, AA, NA, medically assisted treatment, you know, there should be no judgment on anyone's path. Um, and, yeah, there's treatment out there, and there's, you know, success 100%, but how do you measure success? Like, it's kind of funny, right? But, like, the greatest joy comes for me Working with someone and it's not, I don't care about their paycheck, their job, it's, you know, the, that sense of peace and they're no longer in so much pain. Life still happens. Recovery doesn't happen and everything gets wonderful. Yeah. You recover and you're given the tools to deal with anything. But honestly, there's so much. It's such a humbling experience, but, like, a beautiful experience to see, like, you know, a mother have a visit with their child and, and building up those relationships. Um, and that's really what it's all about. There's the success, you know. Um, just seeing families put back together, but seeing, you know, people that were once so broken and lost um, have self-respect and have dignity and you know, be contributing and giving back, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that's the biggest part for me. I mean, anyone that's gone through this, you know, I hate to say it, but the hell of addiction, mm. um, it's the greatest gift in the world. And you're so grateful for your recovery that they give back in such an altruistic, philanthropic way with no expectations of anything. Um, so yeah, there's success all around. I see it every day. Can we talk a little bit about the uh, the vigil? This is uh, City of Quincy 12th annual candlelight vigil in memory of all those lost to overdose and substance use disorder. Uh, Wednesday, August 31st, 7 p.m. at the Hancock Adams Common in front of Quincy City Hall. So what will be uh -huh. happening, Laura? Oh, so the vigil, I keep the vigil. It's very simple. It's, you know, an opportunity for people to remember those that have been lost. Um, we do uh, it starts at seven. Um, I usually start like a couple minutes later just to give folks some time. Um, but yeah, so basically what it is is it's a celebration of life for those that have passed. Um, it's an opportunity for family members to come together. And, you know, be supported by others that have lost. And, and honestly, just to recognize the impact that this disease has had. It's not just for overdoses. 
um, alcoholism is, you know, alcohol is still a big killer. Um, so I think anyone, uh, but it's actually not called an overdose vigil. It's called the vigil in remembrance of those lost to substance use disorder. So whatever the substance is. Um, and we come together. People can submit a photo. I think it's up until tomorrow. If they get in a day late, I might be able to do something. Okay. Not saying that. But, um, you know, and they submit it to almartnetquintana.gov. And then their loved one is in a video and we have music. Um, it's really, it's all about just creating a space for folks um, to remember and honor their loved ones. I don't do, you know, there's no big speeches, mm-hmm. um, anything like that. As far as I'm concerned, no one's really interested in what I have to say about what's out there for treatment. Because uh, their loved ones are already passed away, yeah. you know, and I didn't mean to laugh at that, but that's very important. Um, I keep it very simple and to the point. There's no speeches. Um, we have music, and and the the main thing I'll say. So the goal of it is to create a safe space for people to grieve their loved ones and to be supported by the community, and that's you know from the mayor all the way um, to anyone you know, to your neighbor. Um, and yeah, that's that's really what it is. It's, it's all about whatever that person needs it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have candles and, and we play the video and, it, and it's beautiful and it's moving and it's, it's really sad because it's really long. There's a lot of, a lot of faces up there. Mm. And that's hard, but that's also like decreasing the stigma, but also like increasing awareness. This hasn't gone anywhere, um, you know, and the numbers are they're up because they're going to keep going up, um, you know, until they stop. Until I don't know what it's going to take. If I had the answer, then I and hundreds of others would have given it. Mm-hmm. But that this is what it's all about—just um, creating a space. Um, for people to get whatever they need around the loss of their loved one. You know, and to restore, for me, it restores some of the dignity that people feel their loved one lost because they died of this disease. And, and there's, there should be no shame or anything like that. So, yeah, that's, I wish I had, like, a program or whatnot, but it literally, it's just a night for people to come together and be supported in the city um, and be supported amongst their peers. A lot of people from treatment facilities come that have lost so many friends, um, you know, so it's whatever anyone needs it to be. And it's just a safe space. Will there be resources uh, about uh, treatment and recovery available? Or? I don't do treatment okay. resources because um, quite frankly, um, it's an old overdose and substance use disorder vigil mm-hmm. for people whose loved ones are have passed mm-hmm. um we did in the past and other people do for me i think it's very difficult for a family member to see all that's out there yeah. that their loved one didn't have access to now on the other hand i'm a hundred percent a realist so if other folks do that a hundred that's fine there will be grief support resources mm-hmm. because it is a you know people that have passed and 
Mana Community House will be there, and they always have Narcan available, yes. you know, for families who, um, for anyone that may or may not be struggling. Um, but no, I mean, like I said, everyone looks at it differently for me. Um, that was a very difficult thing for my family and a lot of other families I know to see it, you know, almost like as an uplifting, well, there's hope. Of course there's hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't have any speakers, you know, sharing about their recovery. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's literally a vigil to honor those that are gone. Yeah, it's a memorial service. And I keep yeah. it, and there's no rhyme or reason beyond I keep it extremely simple for that reason. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, some people may be offended that I don't have treatment resources. I know people are always asking. Um, I just, I don't want someone to walk through and see all the tables set up when they're going to hold a candle for their loved ones. Yeah, I, I understand. But that being said, that email that's on the poster and me and the community, there's so many resources, you know, and during recovery month, there'll be a lot of events throughout the local community, the recovery center where people can access that. Okay. We should catch up with you. When, what is that month, Laura? September. Okay, so we should maybe catch up with you later uh, in September. Yeah, and I talk don't about that, have but... any specific. You know, we do the vigil on the thirty first, mm-hmm. and so many events are happening. Um, so I don't have any specific events. It's really just a celebration. Okay. Um, to recognize that we do recover, and we'll probably do a couple of different things. Okay, but... and we should mention that um, the uh, rain location is at the uh, Quincy High School Auditorium. Yes, but we're holding out. I always. <laughs> optimistic on that yes okay anything else we should let folks know about right now no i mean honestly that's the best thing i can say is if they need help before then then you know that's a whole week away Mm -hmm. so um people should just know that i'm available um and that we have a lot of resources within the city that i can guide you to or um yeah and you know um I don't think there's anything else. We'll just get ready for that day. And it's pretty simple. It's pretty streamlined. I, you know, Mark Carey is like my saving grace. The mayor just gives me the green light to do whatever is necessary to make it, you know, a really nice night. We have it on the Hancock Adams Common, which is a very, very beautiful place to have the ceremony, you know, because that's where it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mark helps me with all the video and sound. Um, and it's just, yeah. So that's all. That's all I got. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about it and hopefully get some uh, information out to the community. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. Have a great day. Thank you, Laura. You too.